It's time for Bring It Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Bring It Outdoors, Brian Moon. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we bring in Brent Beimert with Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop and fitting because we have the archery opener this weekend. And Brent, uh, you know, it's still pretty green in the woods. I'm sure we still got some bugs to deal with and stuff, but uh, if hunters want to get out there and hunt, acorns are dropping a little bit. Yeah, the acorns are coming down now. Red oaks especially, but there's quite a few white oaks on the ground. You know, we've waited for, for this weekend uh, since December 31st of last last year, and, and well, here we are. It's it's whole opener. And you had said, you and I were talking off air, and we talked to Matt last week. He was pretty lucky with uh, a lot of his bear baiting up uh, north of us here that uh, the acorns didn't drop yet. Now that they're dropping, uh, it's causing fits for bear hunters right now. It is. Um, you know, it seemed like the opener around here, too. Yeah, there was a little bit of acorns, but not the mass that was that's on the ground now. So it seemed like uh, from guys I've been talking, there was a lot of success. Um, we've seen some big bears. Um, and um, But then the acorns hit the ground, and now guys are struggling. They just left the bait, and they're gorging on the acorn. And that's kind of the thing, especially with deer, too. I mean, I guess with, with hunters right now, uh, Brent, if that's the thing, you, you want to maybe hit the water sources, as we always said, your food plots if you've got them in. But uh, if, if you've got acorns on your property, that's where you want to be right now. Yep, get in the oaks. Um, if you don't have a stand there, get one there because <laughs> that's where they're going. Um, there's going to be water in places that, you know, usually is dry, so it could be hard to... to pinpoint a water source because like i say i think there's going to be water in a lot of spots um but uh you know they're being soybeans yet um but mostly acorns i mean i would hunt the oaks right now if you got them get in them so as far as you know calling and decoys and all that this early in the year especially as green as it is in the woods right now brent uh, how much does that come into play um not much i don't do much calling now I sit in a lot of observation stands where I can see um, distances. If I don't have something even pinned down to where I know where this buck is coming in and out, per se, um, I'll just sit in observation stands. Um, If I know where he's at, then I'll move in on it and just hope to catch him early because, you know, if you get them early, uh, you get in there early and um, they're not spooky yet, you know. We haven't educated them yet this year. And the more we sit in the tree, the more we educate them. So guy can get lucky and get in those oaks or get on a bean field or something. And if you got a buck pinned down, it's a great time of year to do it. Scent control is, is probably the biggest thing right now, wouldn't it be, Brent? Yes, absolutely. Hunt the wind. Make sure the wind is correct. Um, spray down. Keep your gear clean. Um, nose jammer really helps. We got nose jammer that, uh, guys just love and swear by it. I don't go to the woods without it. Um, you know, there's so much technology out there now to clean clothes. Um, the ozonics and, uh, different things, ozone cleaners like Scentlock has some that you can put in tubs. Um, heck, we got a giant Scentlock closet in our shop that you can hang all your hunting clothes in it. It's got boot holders on the side. 
you plug that in for 30 minutes, it dry washes your clothes, and they're clean every time you go hunting. I use the tubs from Scent Crusher, and um, it, it'll eliminate bacteria and odor out of your clothing. And then, of course, make sure you take a shower before you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. You know, you think all the technology and stuff, and you and I have talked many times when it comes to bows and, and all of the other stuff that's out there. And I mean, how, how can they keep reinventing the wheel? And now they're reinventing the wheel with uh, different scent blocker stuff now. So that's a real advantage for hunters. Absolutely. Um, you know, I use the nose jammer. I use Ozonics. And I, you know, I have it all. And I have fooled mature deer downwind to me, you know. Sometimes the hardest ones to get by are those, you know, the does, uh, old doe is, is, you know, she's as hard to hunt as an, as an old buck. The difference is, is that doe usually moves a little sooner in daylight hours, more so than a buck will. But I'll tell you what, you get an old doe downwind you and she'll ruin your night. I mean, they can blow and stomp and stand around you. And, um, but you can fool those old does sometimes with uh, some of this new technology and, and, but, you, you can. Yeah, I mean, the wind is always your best option. If you got uh, if you got a bad wind, don't hunt it. But you know, now with the way the stuff is, um, a lot of times I hunt those winds that are oh blowing in towards them a little bit because they're going to use that wind then too to to come out into the field or you know to to be downwind of of different things. And I hunt those winds that are a little bit sketchy, um, and you know. I've, I've fooled a lot of deer now with some of this new technology. Would you best be this early in the season, Brent, hunting just early morning or late in the evening? Or if you did have, maybe you had you know your job or something like that gets in the way and you can only hunt throughout the day, would you be okay hunting throughout the day, through like the midday and the afternoon? Um, I have a hard time doing it this time of the year. Um, unless, you know, I mean, if you had a big oak grove right now where the deer are eating, sleeping, you know, just kind of hanging out in that area. You can catch them middle of the day, get up for water, get up to stretch, whichever. Um, but, like, field edge hunting and stuff, I have a hard time sitting around that in the midday. But, uh, uh, you know, if that's the time that you got. And then I always watch the moon phase, too. You know, if you got a full moon or something, that helps the deer to be on their feet in midday. Um, but... I have a hard time sitting that midday. I'll go hunting in the morning, go fishing, and then maybe go back to the tree stand. Doesn't that sound like a day? <laughs> Sounds like a great day, actually. That's that's what makes this area so special. Is we can right do on. we can do those things. It's Brent Beimert, Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. You can check them out just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. Brent, I appreciate it. We'll be talking to you a lot here throughout the fall, and uh, we'll chat soon, buddy. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, and good luck, everybody. And uh, we like to uh, we like to see those bucks. So if you shoot a good one, bring it out or bring us a picture. For sure. Thanks, Brent. We'll uh, have more Brainerd Outdoors after this on B ninety three point three. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B ninety three point three. And joining us once again, one of our favorite contributors here to the show, and that is Mandy Urich, and she. Talks a lot of bass fishing and a lot of other stuff with us on the show, but uh, Mandy's big thing is bass fishing, no doubt about that, Mandy. And, uh, you know, we had these colder water temps, uh, a drastic drop in temperature. How does that affect bass fishing compared to, like, walleye and pike and 
even muskies, to be honest with you. Oh, they take that shock not as good. <laughs> so we just had this, obviously, like someone flipped the switch. We went right into, like, you know, cold 30-degree, you know, nights and mornings. Uh, we need some time, right? We need some time for those fish to kind of adjust to that shock. So we talk, right, always about water temperature, especially with bass, how it affects their metabolisms. And this time of year, everything's putting the feed bag on, which makes it super awesome. Um, For bass, though, we're almost there. We're getting there. They just need a little more time to adjust. Uh, There again, it depends on how big of a body of water, uh, if it's a clear water body or a turbid body of water, because obviously turbid bodies of water warm up a lot quicker. Uh, than clear bodies of water, but overall right now, there's definitely some tactics and some baits that no matter what body of water are going to be your go-to for for fall bass fishing. So what would those be? Big baits, baby. Big bass are big for a reason. Uh, the, the big bass they they put the feed bags on, but they also conserve energy, right? They're not going to be chasing around those M&Ms. Like, they're specifically targeting, like, the steaks. So this time of year, put away those finesse sticks. No more little micro worms. Uh, pull out your big baits. I love big spinner baits. Uh, jerk baits are good. Rattle trap season, thank you. Big swim baits and big jigs. And here again, we're, we're talking about, we're almost going back to a spring tactic as far as slow your retrieve down, right? Those fish are going to be feeding, they're going to be feeding aggressively, but they're not going to want to extend a bunch of energy and chase down those big baits. So you're, you're throwing all those big baits, you're, you're bringing them in, I mean, as slow as you possibly can. But the cool part is bass are they're schooling up right now. So as soon as you can get on a school, you can basically, you, you know, it might have 10 fish, it might have 40 fish in it. So it's, it's just, it's an awesome time of year. Um, I like specifically in the mornings because the water temp's going to be colder. Those fish are going to slide out of the shells and they're going to slide into the deeper water as that water cools because that deeper water is going to be more consistent in temperature. So in the mornings I'm going to start on steep breaks. And I'm going to put the boat in 20 feet of water, and I'm going to be casting up to whatever that outside vegetation line is. You know, it may be 15, it might be 17. Um, and, and really playing that that slow retrieve. If, it, you know, throwing big jigs, uh, half-ounce jigs with big plastic trailers on them, that, that big plastic trailer actually helps to slow the fall of that jig. So it gives those bass a little more time to see it as it's falling through that water column. And then as the day progresses and that water warms up, those fish are going to move up onto flats. So anywhere from 9 to 13 uh, feet for flats is is really good, especially if you can find live vegetation. Right now the vegetation is dying off as the water temperatures get colder. Any place that you're seeing good coontail, good cabbage that's still green, one tiny clump, you know, half the size of your boat could hold a heck of a lot of fish. So... Right now, I'm laying down these little random waypoints all over the place, just kind of keeping track of where that live live vegetation is. Um, And as it gets colder, then that vegetation starts to die off. Those fish are really going to key in on different types of cover. Maybe it's it's wood, maybe it's rocks, maybe they're actually pushing out onto some of those steeper edges. But it's go time. I'm so excited. And so is basically top water off the grid right now, Mandy? Is that done for the year? Not necessarily. 
Um, there's as a, in a few weeks it, it's going to be, um, but it's still an excellent time to frog. Um, I just wouldn't be frogging in the morning. I would definitely wait until that late afternoon when the water temps have warmed up and those fish have slid back to the shallows. It can they can be super aggressive um, on those bites. It's a good time for buzz baits too, um, and not so much. I like I like buzz baits. I like frogs. I love a jerk bait. Like I think with that slow retrieve and that jerky action, and you can fish them depending on what depth of jerk bait you're throwing, you can fish something super shallow all the way down to, to 12 feet with it and produces a lot of big hits. So basically what you're saying, though, uh, with these cooler water temps and heading into fall, the best thing to do, fish slow and, and fish a little deeper, huh? Correct. In the, in the morning, absolutely. Uh, and then as that water temp warms up, that's when those fish are going to start to move back up and into the remaining vegetation line into the pads, things like that. And they'll become a little bit more active too, right? Because water temps are, are coming up and they're going to feel a little more active and, and put those feed bags on. So what else do you have coming up? I know you, you do a lot of derbies and, and some tournaments and stuff like that. I mean, you're going to be pretty busy here in the next couple of weeks, huh? It's winding down, but it's not kind of a deal. I've got one more big multi-species event coming up on the Mississippi River. Uh, two more smaller bass event and then it's time for me to put bass gear away and go right into wally derby season so yeah i've got a few of those derbies on the books i got one more uh show that i need to film for long at the end of the month and then i don't know maybe i'll put all the fishing tackle away in october and just focus on hunting (laughs) that's kind of what my plan is uh what do you like to do for walleyes in the fall mandy because everybody kind of has a different tactic they do and honestly it completely depends on you know which body of water and heck what's even going on with the wind that day um i like to live bait rig for them i i love pulling windy rigs for them it's probably you know one of my favorites we're getting into that time of year where a snap jig uh really becomes super effective on maybe some of those deeper humps uh and it's effective too not just for walleye but for for other species it's crazy how many times i've gotten into a school of perch that as fast as you can drop that snap jig down you know one's on the front and one's on the back of it as you're reeling it up but um yeah i like to i like to live bait rig uh normally as the water temps drop those fish are going to be pushing out deeper and there's a couple factors that too one we're losing the vegetation right the wallies are in that veg line too so the vegetation dies off they need to find either cover or they need to go deeper obviously because of sunlight penetration and two indicative of what's going on with our, our weather patterns we're getting a lot of high pressure bluebird days right because that's what's bringing in and, and cooling our temperatures down that makes fall for us so there again it still works for for walleye uh to control vegetation lines uh you can use super small like inline spinner baits um even some slow death rigs right now are, are really really good but yeah it's one of the few times of the year where I, I, I actually put the minnow on the hook and go fishing. That's awesome. And uh, once again, I, and I'll ask you here in, in just a bit how people want to get in touch with you, Mandy, but um, I did put up on the uh, Brainerd Outdoors Facebook page a video that you had cut, just a little snippet of it. Um, we actually took some people out fishing and how you actually decided, you said, you know, I got to give back. You know, I, I feel so lucky to be able to do what I do, so I feel like I have to give back to other people. 
Um, people get a chance to check that video out. It's awesome. Um, how, how do you really – I mean, that's got to make you feel really good to be able to give back to the industry that you love so much. It's humbling, and I maybe this is a good time in the platform to say, but thank you. Thank you to – you know, allowing me to have my voice heard, I think that's a really big deal, especially uh, with creating and, and making new social norms. It's, it's not very often that you, you hear a strong female voice talking fishing on the radio. And I know you guys took a chance on me how many years ago, and, and I appreciate it, I, I, the fact that you guys continue to have me on. But it, it, it's nice, and it, it maybe it'll start a movement. But, yeah, absolutely. Like, I have this debt that I feel like I, I can't ever pay no matter how much I do because I've been so lucky to have so many people um, helped me throughout my life and my career. So, yeah, it was interesting. It was kind of a out of the blue call, and uh, they kind of, you know, gave me an interview. And I waited a few weeks, and they gave me a call back, and they're like, "Hey, we'd love to do a documentary on you." <laughs> so, a little, a little shocking for me. I'm just like, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do a great job, and, and once again, you and I have never really fished together before, but I, I, I look at your history, and I mean, I know you're a, gr- a great angler, and there's a reason that you're on the air with us, because, I mean, you do a fantastic job, and so I think what you're doing throughout the industry is just incredible, so keep it up. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that's Mandy Yurk. Mandy, if people want more info on you, how can they get it? I mean, Facebook, Instagram, pretty much any social media. Tune in and Google one of our podcasts. There you go. Mandy Urick, a fantastic contributor here to Brainerd Outdoors. Uh, good luck out there, and uh, hopefully you and I can get out either out in the boat or maybe out in a tree stand or something later this fall, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Sounds great. Thanks. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and a special treat this week. I kind of stumbled across an article written by Joel Nelson with Joel Nelson Outdoors, uh, talking a lot about lead core fishing, and I know we have a lot of listeners that have asked me, you know, what's that all about? It's not something I really do that much. So I thought maybe we'd get a little tutorial on it, and uh, Joel, once again, thanks for joining us here on Brainerd Outdoors. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, lead core is something I do a fair amount of, so it's a uh Topic near and dear to my heart as well. Absolutely. So we'll get into it here. But before we do that, Joel, maybe a little background on you for those that aren't familiar with you being you're new to the show. Um, you spent a lot of time down in southern Minnesota, but you also spent a lot of time up here in the northern part of the state. Yeah, yes, I do. I, I do travel quite a bit to fish. Uh, you know, I live in between t- the Twin Cities and Rochester. So traditionally, I've, I've fished a lot of the areas around pools two, three, and four of the Mississippi River and a lot of south central Minnesota lakes. But uh, you know, definitely Minnesota's big walleye factories I've spent a good amount of time on, Lake of the Woods, and then certain fisheries, uh, you know, in the Dakotas as well as Wisconsin. So it's it's cool because lead core is something that uh, I've been able to do in a lot of different places, even for different species, and seems to work well in a lot of different locales. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's what I think would make for a very interesting topic this week. Because as you mentioned, a lot of those places that you fish, you can take those lead core tactics to places like Gull Lake and places like Mille Lacs and, and Winnie and Leach and have some success. Ab- absolutely, yeah. I, I think it's so- something that I do a fair amount whenever I see fish scattered. So, you know, if I see fish scattered and they're deep and they're harder to get to and I really want to cover water, it's it's really a bread-and-butter technique. So if those that are maybe, you know, fairly new to fishing or, or just don't get out as much as they'd like to, 
when we say lead core, what are we talking about? You know, lead core uh, really centers around the line itself, which is just a uh, kind of a braided sheathed line. And inside of that braided uh, braided sheath, there is a single uh, core of lead. It's just a long piece of lead. And what that does is it uh, it's very simple. It sinks the line and puts the baits in the zone. And you know, it involves a little bit of specialized tackle, and that's the part I think that's scary to a lot of people, but it, it's really not that intimidating. The, you know, the first time you, you'll pull it out, it, it, it seems a little bit awkward. It doesn't come off the reel like a normal braid would. You're using larger baitcaster reels with line counters um, and some specialized rods to kind of handle the weight of both the line and, and the fish that you'll be reeling in and the weight of the crankbaits that you're pulling. But uh, once you get a lead core set up, and it's Ready, readily available in a lot of different retailers. They'll help you out. They'll, they'll help pair everything up. Once you get it out and start dragging it around, you, you'll really start to realize that it's not all that complex. And is it fairly cost-effective? Yeah, I mean, it's something where uh, you can spend a lot of money on crankbaits, and you can spend a lot, of, a lot of time and effort trying to get down to fish in other ways. But once you have, uh, you know, a, a lead core setup, and you don't need to spend a ton of money. I mean, literally, you can spend under a hundred dollars. I'd recommend getting two. So for under two hundred bucks, you can take your existing lineup of crankbaits and really double, triple, quadruple the effectiveness because you you know that you'll always be in the zone when fish start pushing past fifteen, maybe even twenty feet of water. The one place that I hear lead core being used the most here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, Joel, is Malax. And yeah. reason for that is it because those fish can become so scattered out there? Absolutely. You know, uh, crankbaits are the name of the game. Whenever you've got a summer bite where fish are active, for the most part, right, their metabolism is up. They are willing to chase baits around, but they're scattered throughout either the water column, as they are Malax, right? They can be suspended all over the place, or they can be near bottom. But either way, you've got to get the baits down to the fish and, and in their zone. So at the end of the day, there's not a lot of techniques that both cover water and then also get to depth as well as does lead core. And how do colors play in? Uh, you know, colors of the lures or colors of the line? Both, actually. Oh, that's, that's a good question. You know, uh, lead core, it's interesting. The line is multicolored. Every 10 yards, you'll see color change, and that helps you, even without a line counter, if you didn't have one, to indicate how much line you have back to try and recreate those sink rates. Let's say you catch a fish with five colors out. Well, you know that you need to go back to five colors if you're trolling the same depth along a break. Um, colors in response to the crankbaits uh, play a huge role, especially the Malax, like you talked about on bright sunny days. Those chromes in the clear water, those those brighter colors that have a little bit of sheen off of them in UV as well can be super effective. And then in some of the darker stained or murkier waters, I, I like really bright colors, not 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 with the chrome, but uh, you know the fluorescent oranges and so on and so forth. So colors and they can play a huge role. And as far as when you're trolling, I mean, does it, it compared to crankbait fishing, uh, Joel, do you want to maybe slow it down a little bit when you're with lead core, or does that not matter either? So lead core is, is an interesting, <laughs> it's unlike any other line you'll pull because there's going to be a big bow in it. That weight uh, creates a bow, and as you speed up, 
you can you can actually change the uh, the depth of dive and if you slow down you could change the depth of dive now rather than give you general rules on what makes it go up or go down i think really the simplest thing is for people to get out there drag it around focus on keeping your boat at the same speed maybe start at like 2.2 to 2.4 miles an hour and let out line till you hit bottom um then experiment speed up slow down see what it does see see if you're dragging into the bottom uh, there is nothing uh, better with lead core than that positive reinforcement of, oh, oh, hey, I'm, I can see my rod tip's bouncing. I'm banging my bait on bottom. That, that to me, is the best test and best way for people to get out there and really gain confidence in the technique. So a couple of other questions with you, Joel. Uh, once again, talking with Joel Nelson with Joel Nelson Outdoors, and we're talking the ins and outs of uh, lead core fishing. And I, I'm a relative rookie at this, Joel, so these may be silly questions, but I really kind of wanted to get do's and don'ts on structure. And a lot of different we, – we're dealing now here in Minnesota with lakes that are changing with yep. invasive species like Cass Lake and even right here in our own backyard with the Gull Lake. They're becoming very clear now. Uh, some lakes this time of year you start to get a little bit on the green side. With lead core, how does that affect whether you're fishing a lake that's uh, fairly clear compared to something a little murky? You know, when it, when it comes to lead core, uh, a lot of these fish are heading deep uh, regardless of the color of the lake, especially if it's clear, though. Those, those fish are, are heading to depth to, to you know, to, to seek out some solitude. Um, in some of the greener lakes, they're often heading to depth because of temperature gradients. So... So a lot of times, uh, depending on where you're fishing, you're going to be in excess of 25 feet of water. Once you get past that 35 foot of water, keep in mind, you've got to be careful. The fish that you're catching, if you are down that far, right on bottom, are probably going to die because of barotrauma. So keep that in mind as you're fishing, and just, just plan on keeping those fish. You know, don't, don't try and release them, and once you've reached a limit, if that's what you're after, um, make sure you're done for the day so keep that in mind any any time you're pulling the depths with lead core rock sand mud uh does that does that matter at all either to me not as much except for lead core is not a great technique around heavy rock uh rock piles boulders sharp precise turns that's not what this technique is all about unless you're a precision troller and you know exactly what depth that that bait is pulling with the right amount of line out and so on and so forth, it's pretty tough to recreate precision trolling runs. So the idea with lead core is you're looking for big, broad areas of similar depth, a lot of times sand. Sometimes it's a big mud basin, and it's just going to be in 28 feet of water, and it stays 28 feet for a long run. Those are uh, kind of money uh kind of money lead core runs because you'll see fish on the graph they're spread out and you want to continue your troll for miles preferably if you can along these pods of fish um if you see fish in in tighter groups in smaller schools then maybe a different technique you know like jigging wrapping on them or dropping jigs and minnows or you know any other kind of a more precision technique even live bait rigging right on them is going to be more productive than is lead core lead core for substrate though so often is sand and mud. And one last thing, Joel, for maybe somebody that's listening going, yeah, I want to try this lead core technique, and they're a relative rookie at it. What are some of the biggest mistakes that anglers make with lead core? I think some of the biggest mistakes are um, when they're letting line out, if you let it out too fast, you're going you're gonna to make a, a jumbled knot. Um, if you're not careful of the spread of your rods and making sure that your turns aren't uh, 
you know, if you, if you start making sharp turns, you can tangle it. Lead core, when it tangles, is an absolute mess. So you want to avoid your, boy, your, your baits bouncing off of bottom too much. Just ticking the bottom occasionally is okay. But if your baits are dragging and banging, they can start to roll, and they can actually roll into the other lead core setup. And uh, I have seen some haystacks of, <laughs> of lead core line, and it's, it's not the cheapest stuff in the world. So you want to make sure and take care of your lead core. Keep your baits running just above bottom. Watch for those baits banging off bottom, and just just treat it a little more carefully. You have to be uh, a little more purposeful with the way you let out line and how you reel it in and, and all that good stuff to make sure that uh, one spool of line will, will last you for years. There you go. That's Joel Nelson uh, with Joel Nelson Outdoors. Joel, if people want more information on you, how can they find it? Well, they can always go to my website, uh, joelnelsonoutdoors.com. Uh, I've got an Ask Me Anything section there. If uh, you've got a question, uh, I'd love to highlight it uh, uh, and answer it uh, for you and everybody else. Chances are, if you've got a question, uh, a lot of other people do too. And sometimes I, I don't know everything by any means, so I have to research it too. So uh, drop me a line there, and uh, we can learn together. It's pretty good cool videos on there too. As a matter of fact, I learned that Joel's also an avid turkey hunter like myself. So you catch out <laughs> some pretty cool stuff there too. Topics for another day because, man, that turkey thing, that's addictive. <laughs> yeah, so you and I come spring, we're going to have to talk again, that's for sure. I like it. That, that sounds great. That's Joel Nelson, Joel Nelson Outdoors. Joel, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Great to have you on the show this week, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking here down the line, okay? Yeah, thanks so much, and good luck fishing. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. I'm Brian Moon, and uh, to wrap things up, I'm going to do something I haven't really ever done on the show before, and that's a bit of a commentary segment. And uh, we're heading into fall, and there are so many things that are going on right now. And this weekend we have the grouse opener, small game, uh, the archery opener. And so uh, get a kid outside. You know, I cut my teeth hunting as a kid, squirrel hunting. And uh, there's plenty of squirrels out there, trust me. I know I live in town, and they're everywhere. And a couple of them are trying to chew their way into my house, so I may have to do something about that. I've got to figure that out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a way to get kids started hunting, you know, with a twenty two or a pellet gun or something like that. And then uh, grouse hunting can be a lot of fun, too. And I loved doing that when I was a teenager. You got fall fishing, like I said, archery. I did a lot of that when I was a teenager as well. Shot my first uh, deer at 17 with a bow. Next weekend, we've got the waterfowl opener. So there's a lot going on this fall. So, you know, a lot of these kids, they're cooped up. And uh, they have been. Granted, yes, we're coming off summer. They were able to get outside a little bit more. But, you know, if they're at home and maybe they're doing the social distance learning thing and, you know, they're back to school some days and home some other days and stuff, just to get outside and enjoy this weather. We're going to have a nice stretch of weather this week. Uh, I can't encourage you enough to uh, take a kid hunting, take a kid fishing. There's a lot of public land out there that you can take advantage of uh, all across the lakes area. There's so much to do here in the lakes area. So that's just my commentary for this week. Like I said, I've never done it before, (laughs) but uh, I just encourage you to do that. That's going to wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings.
7 o'clock Sunday evenings and uh, just after 5 Monday mornings right here on B93.3. Stream the show live at todaysbestcountry.com or brainerdoutdoorsradio.com, and we're all over the podcast network. So wherever you download your favorite podcasts, just search Brainerd Outdoors and uh, give us a download as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Livax Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.